I had notes as I was thinking about episode four from last week because we kept saying, why isn't this one memorable? Why isn't this one, I don't know, like standing out or like, it was enjoyable, right? We both enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say so. But, and this is true for our episode today too, one of the things that I don't think we liked as much is we don't get any Henry except for the flashback. Okay, I was 100% thinking that when I was watching this week's episode and when I was editing last week's podcast recording, I was like, where's my Henry at? Yeah, and then last week there was no psychic recap. Like, Sean didn't do his big psychic rundown because, remember, he kept blaming it on Lassiter and Chief had questions and... Oh, yeah. So the characters knew the story better themselves Sean didn't do his psychic breakdown. So, like, that was missing. (laughs) And I don't think we liked it as much. That actually, yeah, that actually could be exactly it. I do think that the more Henry gets into the episodes, the happier I am. Because I just love all of those dynamics. Yeah, and we bring in other characters. And we have other, like, recurring characters. Yeah. I feel like right now it's, like, it's all story and... I want to say starting with this week in episode five that we're going to talk about, I think, especially Lassie, he's got some really good Sean Lassie chemistry going. And there's a good bit, like I felt it too with Lassie and Jules, like they're like congealing into like a unit. Yeah. Congealing. I don't think that's the word I mean, but it works. (laughs) They had to get that I'm not comfortable with inner office romances out of the way and it just became easier. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's where I stand, and that's my theory going forward. I like it. We should probably start our podcast. Showtime. This is To, to the, the Blue Bay! <laughs> <laughs> Every time Kaylee screams that, it just makes me laugh because she throws her hands in the air. <laughs> I wish you guys could see it. I'm Alexis. I am a Gus. And I'm here with my partner in crime, Kaylee. She is a Sean. So and Sean. we are doing a psych rewatch podcast that we call To the Blueberry. Hmm. We're going to recap our episodes, talk about some of our favorite moments, share some of our favorite quotes, and hopefully find a pineapple in every episode. Although we did agree that we would not Google, we would find. So far, we haven't Googled, but I mean, I don't know. Some of these might get real obscure. That is not the case this week, but some of them may be real obscure. (laughs) We've got a real obvious pineapple this week, but we'll get there. What's our episode title? So we're on season one, episode five. The episode title is Nine Lives. I will say over at the Psychologists Are In podcast with Maggie Lawson and Tim Amundsen, when they talked about this episode, I believe they actually got to speak to the writer of the episode who was like brought on as a writer basically starting now and he just had like this wacky idea and Rode actually had some notes (laughs) (laughs) what a surprise (laughs) he was was like um we gotta carry around this cat the whole episode i I mean (laughs) (laughs) there were logistical concerns that had not been well thought out because it's such a fun concept but i mean we'll get there but the episode opens as most of them do, with a flashback to 1986. Oh, I thought it said 1985 this, this time. Really? 
That's what I thought. Dang it, man. You know I'm not good with these numbers. I have gotten every one wrong so far. No. Just for the record. You've got one wrong. No, I've gotten all of them wrong. I got it wrong last week. I was re-listening while I was editing, and I think I edited out the part that I obviously did wrong, but earlier on in the episode, I was like, it's $3.5 million, and then later on, it was $3.6 million. Oh, I remember you saying 3.6. So I made my list, and I checked it twice, and it was still wrong, so... Uh, don't listen to numbers when it comes to me, everyone. Oh, Although I was the math person. Speaking of numbers, and yet I've worked in financial administration so many times. What's up with that? <laughs> but there is a numbers reference. Like, I'm just going to spoil this. There is <laughs> there's a pop culture reference to the show numbers, which I also love because who doesn't love a David Crumholtz moment? Girl, that right. Nope, I'm totally there with you. I definitely picked that up. And I loved, he ended up zooming in on the board that he was writing on. Because it said vortex bracket zero comma zero bracket. <laughs> and like the math nerd in me was like, um, is he trying to be funny saying the vortex is the center of the graph? Because zero comma zero would be, you know, X zero, Y zero. It's the meeting point. The middle of the graph. And I'm like, yeah, that's the vortex, but. Did you hear the music change at that point? Like, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but they, I'm pretty sure it was, like, numbers-inspired arrangement right there. Back to our recap, and we're starting in, I guess, 1985 or 6. Honestly, it could be either at this point. I'm not really worried. Uh, it was sometime in the 80s. Yeah, were those girls. It's when neither Kaylee nor I were alive. <laughs> and I said, this is the worst fake hair piece of Henry's. Like, the brushed back so severely it, it's by far the worst look we've seen so far they're eating cereal outside at a picnic table right, outside <laughs> um, and they're not fruit loops because they don't have the rights to fruit loops but it's something like that and little sean number three still little sean number three is upset because the box of cereal didn't have a mood ring in it like it was supposed to yeah he got all the way to the bottom and he was like ah oh, this is a crime can't you just haul them in for questioning and lay in on them a little? <laughs> and then Henry was like, well, you can call and you can complain and the secretary can take your complaint and throw it in the trash can. Also, he was being very rude about administrative professionals right there. And I don't enjoy that. So Henry needs to calm down and <laughs> stop biasing his son. I mean, in 1986, like... I don't know that there was an option to forward to someone's voicemail. Also, if you call in acting rude like Henry, yeah, I'm going to throw that in the trash. Yeah, probably. But Henry wants Sean to use the skills that Henry has taught him to outsmart Big Cereal, if you will. Big Cereal. Yes, queen. <laughs> and he ends up using the saying, all you got to do is turn something upside down to make it right side up, and you've got your prize. That was what Henry said to little Sean number three, and I was so cute. And then he flipped over the new cereal box. That exact quote comes back into play later. Oh my gosh. The ice cream man is outside. Do we need to pause? I can hear the music coming. <laughs> In my uh, cousin's neighborhood, the ice cream guy had a remix. Nice! No, it was code. He also sold other things out of that truck. <laughs> bum, 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 ice cream man. Okay. It's that hustle culture, man. <laughs> I don't know where we were at with the recap. Oh, the, the it comes back later in the episode. So after the good lesson that comes back, 
the quote that we hear exactly later. What is the action of the lesson? I oh, guess, well, what they part. end up doing is they end up flipping over the cereal box of the new box of cereal because the mood ring that was at the bottom of the box is now at the top of the box. And so he was able to just grab his mood ring and walk away with it. Oh, actually, he said, thanks, Dad. And then it looks like Henry's, like, pulling it away. Yeah. And you're not sure if he's going to get it or not. All right, now, cut to <laughs> modern day slash early aughts Santa Barbara. And I said, this is a West Wing reference. Dooley Hill was on the West Wing, and they're doing a walk and talk, which Aaron Sorkin is known for, the West Wing walk and talks. Oh. And, yeah, and... Sean is saying, we should do this more often. And Gus is like, what, eat and jog? And I was like, eh, you mean walk and talk, bruh. You know you do. <laughs> so that's the first reference I got. I just wanted to point that out. I don't know if we want to sparkle, dazzle and stretch. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Sean was like, we don't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Can't we just check in with each other as men? You really want to You really want to know how I am, says Gus. <laughs> Like, yeah, man, of course. This is where Gus says, I'm burnout. We've gone on back-to-back -back cases. I'm still a pharmaceutical salesman. Because we decided us a few episodes we were going to sing that. Pharmaceutical. There it is. And he was like, no more cases. No more cases. No more work. I need a break. And Sean readily agrees. Oh, yes. And Gus is like, wow, I was actually like, you know, hesitating to bring this up with you. That's so good. And that's when Sean, we get our first Gus don't be. And he just says, a silly goose. Yeah. Says, don't be a silly goose. <laughs> but that's when Sean pulls out the police scanner, which is a walkie-talkie. Now, I might be ignorant, but can civilians get walkie police scanners? I know that in some states it's easier to get police scanners or more strictly legal than other states. I don't know in what forms those come in. Yeah, I have seen... People with police scanners before, but they've always been more like CB radios and less like walkie-talkies. Um, and so I was like, how does he have a walkie? But I guess Henry might still have one. Right. Oh, maybe. Or if you can just get one that hits the right frequency. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. um, if anybody is in on police scanners or police officers and they want to write in and explain this to us, I would appreciate it. That's Oh, snap. Yeah. To the Blueberry Podcast at gmail.com let us know appreciate it we're definitely gonna not get this in time for our next episode but we can get it like in four to five episodes from speaking now speaking of officially dropping episode one today on all platforms yeah. okay so back to the episode yes let us know about police scanners we have end up at the crime scene because Sean had been listening to his walkie-talkie police scanner and knew where to find a dead body. Yeah. He's like, and we're here. And we're just visiting. We're just here for a visit. Not on a case. We're just going to pop in and say hi. And Gus is like, we can't just walk into a crime scene to say hi and have a conversation. That's when Sean introduces Gus to Buzz McNabb. <sighs> McNabb. I love me some Buzz McNabb. And I'm so happy about how much he is in this episode. Yes, I was looking up stuff about this episode and his profile picture on IMDb is like a young picture of mm -hmm. him, but he looks like a Ryan Murphy dream boy from like literally anything that Ryan Murphy's ever done. He loves tall, beautiful men with dark hair. And that's very much, that's very much... Yes, I agree with you. Little baby Buzz McNabb is quite handsome. And Buzz McNabb. Looking trim. Buzz McNabb. Yeah, somebody's met their wedding weight. I've got five more pounds, but I've still got a month. 
They're so cute. <laughs> but not only does Gus say, I don't talk to people named Buzz, but then Buzz calls Gus Matt. Well, he doesn't remember his name. They've barely met. Because <laughs> Sean is like a staple at the police department. Yeah, I just wrote, Gus is kind of rude. Don't be rude. That's what he said. I don't talk to people named Buzz. And I'm like, Gus, come on. You gotta love you some Buzz yeah. McDowell. And he does. He'll, he'll learn to love Buzz McDowell. <laughs> but they end up uh, kind of sneaking into the crime scene by telling Buzz that they picked up Lassiter's coffee. Oh, that's great. He actually asked me to get his coffee. And I was like, again, Lassiter, he's not your gopher. And that comes back again. I know I say that a lot, but it's important to notice that. And the three creams, four sugars comes up again and again and again. And he's like, he's so particular about his coffee. Don't you sip his coffee? You don't try Lasseter's coffee. He's so particular. No cream, no sugar. That's three creams, four sugars. Yeah, it is. Also, the three and four keeps coming up in different ways because cut to the next scene after Gus and Sean are like sneaking into the apartment where... Which they do by throwing away the coffee, by the way. Yeah. Everybody looks away. They throw away the coffee, (laughs) run into the building. But we open in the apartment on Lassie and Jules and they're, you know, doing their police code thing again. And I actually wrote it down. It's at 1144. I wrote down 1144 this time too because... I've been trying to figure out how to take shorthand notes. And mm. so instead of having to write suicide every time, I could write 1144. Also, we should say, like, top of this episode, huge trigger warning for, like, talk about suicide and, like, that's true humor. Not so much at the expense of suicide, but just, like, you know, not acknowledging, like, perhaps the weight of it because this is an hour-long comedy. Although, like, get, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, I do feel like at the end of the episode, when they actually talk about the person who did happen to die by suicide, they talked about, you know, I didn't see any signs, I didn't know there was anything wrong. And for a lot of people who struggle with suicidal ideations and the people around them, like, that's very, very normal. So, oh, yeah. anybody... If you, if you are concerned, there is a text line that you can text. I think it's 711-711. You can immediately talk to somebody about your suicidal concerns or about your mental health issues. That's there to help. So I'm a huge proponent of taking care of each other and taking care of ourselves. So again, if anyone wants to talk about it. It's 741-741. And you text HOME to 741-741. We're here for everything. Anxiety, depression, suicide, school. Good job. Thank you for looking that up, Kay. I think that's super important. I think we all need to be okay with that sometimes. Yeah, just top of the episode. Um, but they do say, before we learn, you know, that they believe that the the person, the death that they're dealing with in this apartment is a suicide victim, they refer to it as an 1144. So you don't get the term suicide for a minute. They say 1144, that's the third 1144 in four months. Like, is there something in the water? Like, yeah. there's a rash of these. Very interesting. But Lassie's on his high horse and is like, I don't want to make any mistakes with this. And then immediately we cut to a scene tech who is blowing into an He's a forensic guy. Yeah. He's supposed to be forensically collecting evidence. He's like, hey, blowy. (laughs) But. (laughs) Hey, blowy. That's what he calls it. Sean and Gus witness this and Sean goes, clearly he doesn't need any more coffee. So they are trying to figure out what's going on and they end up following a forensics person into a new room <laughs> when they see him just goes forensics act natural, act natural. <laughs> so we get another act natural <laughs> them acting natural is like my favorite thing ever they just like pull zoolander faces and hold still 
the forensics person is going through the cabinets and the refrigerator. And as soon as he opens the cabinet, Sean sees the red pepper flakes and realizes that's exactly what his Chinese food needs. Oh, it's Thai, I believe. It's microb. That's exactly what his Thai food needs. (laughs) (laughs) He said microb so many times. I'm like, now I want Thai food. When the forensic person opens up... when the forensic person opens up the refrigerator, <laughs> they see a steak marinating. And Sean was like, why would somebody who was planning on, did he say offing himself? Or did he say he, killing himself he, or something? He, uh, he alludes to it. He's like, if yeah. you have plans to end your own life, like, why would you do this in advance thing? Like, marinate a steak. Right. And I agree with that. Well, this is the beginning of Sean's, like, future plans argument. And it's like... I don't think that necessarily holds water. It's like, just because you took your birth control pill at the start of the day doesn't mean by the end of the day, if you are a person who struggles with suicidal ideation, like you wouldn't end up by the end of the day making a different choice. So it's like, you put a steak to marinate in the morning and things are too much by the end of the day. Or, you know, what... So I'm like, I get where he's coming from, but I don't think it necessarily holds water. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, Kay. I thought you were going to say, just because you take your birth control in the morning, it doesn't mean you might want to get pregnant at the end of the day. No, I'm (laughs) sorry. I was referencing a movie where the girl's like, my sister did not commit suicide. She took her birth control pill today. Why would she do that if she wasn't going to see tomorrow? Like that sort of thing. But (laughs) as soon as they point out the marinating steak, Gus goes, what? You want to eat that too? Also, just like putting it out there, marinating steak is a great idea. It makes it so much more tasty. For my meat-eating friends out there. For her meat-eating friends out there. (laughs) That's not Kaylee. Some some red wine, some spices, a little bit of garlic, maybe a little bit of, like, uh, lemon juice. I was going to say, something acidic feels like, chemistry-wise, a good choice. (laughs) Yep, it is. You always want to go salt fat acid as much as that's like overused it's the truth like girl if you were if you were sauteing my haunch like that would probably do pretty well i always (laughs) i always do that with you because you're like the most honest like omnivore i know so they walk back into like the living room area of this apartment and i forget what we're seeing here i only know what happens when gus starts making the uh the eyebrow movement so what happens before that the quote that I'm going to use at the end of the show for sure. But Lassie's very upset that they are at the crime scene. And they're looking around and, and Lassie wants them to leave. Oh, I remember what happened before Lassiter came up. The door latch was intact. Oh, yeah. And that pings off Sean's like details about... He's like, and this one I get a little bit more. He's like, why wouldn't you secure your space if you didn't want to be interrupted because you plan to do, do a thing. The police didn't have to bust the door in to get to the scene. Jules confirms it, and Lassiter says don't encourage him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the door chain, the security chain, is is not broken. It's still there. So the guy didn't, like, lock his door fully. So Sean's like, I don't believe this is a, this is a, a person who took their life. There were too many things, because he also noticed the grease mark on the floor. Mm-hmm. And next to I kind of thought it looked like a scuff mark so I was like that could indicate like a slight struggle but it, because he says it's grease and it like nobody fights that I was like oh I guess it just looks like a scuff when when Sean is getting the psychic vision about the grease 
on the floor. He just, he like caresses and like wraps himself in Lassiter's leg. And I just wrote, there is going to be so much touching of Lassiter in this episode. Because by the time <laughs> I'm taking notes, I've already seen it once. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this really adds up. So I enjoy it. He ends up saying that it was not a suicide. And Lassiter asks why or how he would know that. There's no evidence to the contrary. There's no witness. And that's when we see the little boy cat. There is a witness. I'm going to want to talk to that cat when he's finished licking himself. LBC is what I called him. <laughs> little boy cat. And then and then Sean just says, wow, I'm jealous. And it cuts. <laughs> Scene cut. <laughs> that cuts to our opening number because they know that he knows that they're not telling the truth. Wait, he knows that they know that he's not telling the truth. There it is. <laughs> so... Then we get another walk and talk. They're getting back into the office. And Gus will not hold the cat. He's not about holding that cat. And Sean's uh-huh. carrying around this little, it's a little sleep baby of a cat. And Gus goes ahead and tells Sean that he believes it could be an 1144. Yeah, let's just refer to it as an 1144. Um, I like that. Yeah. But Sean ends up saying, look at the weather outside. It's sunny and beautiful. And it's a lot less likely for 1144s to happen when the weather is beautiful, like it is in Santa Barbara. Statistically, mild climates have, you know, lower instances. They were actually in Vancouver. Hmm. And I was thinking about that while I was watching this episode today, because it gets cold in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have to, like, film at a certain time of year so that they can get these shots. Otherwise, you'd see people's breath all the time. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, they must have been very, very, I mean, for how many seasons they, they cut, they must have been very strategic about when they shot those episodes to make sure that they didn't end up yeah, cause that, in, like, normal Vancouver weather. Well, I was going to say, at a certain point, they start taking trips, and, like, it's still supposed to be the Pacific Northwest, which it, it might technically be. Wait, where's Vancouver? <laughs> Vancouver's in British Columbia, which would be... It's just north of Oregon, Washington. Right, so I'm so bad so it's, at U.S. Okay, we're going to look because I think that would technically still be the no- Pacific Northwest, but like north, north, north. Like Yeah, super north. While I look that up, Sean says... If it was Vladivostok, we could talk. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, Vladivostok. Vladivostok. I don't know where Vladivostok is, but I'm going to guess, like, Russia, Siberia? Germany? Yeah. Siberia? Cold? Not the beautiful weathers of Santa Barbara? They're talking still about the 1144, and Gus was trying to prove his point, and Sean kind of agreed with him, but then said, there's just one thing that doesn't make sense, and he pulls his walkie-talkie scanner, like, out from his pants and said, how do you explain the other body? And I'm trying to figure out how Sean heard the walkie scanner, but Gus did not hear the walkie scanner, and we did not hear the walkie scanner. I'm just saying. We hear it when he lifts it up, so apparently, like, yeah, like, his ear was trained on it, and he must have heard, like, a key word to be like, aha, another body. So, (laughs) I mean, earlier we got the three of these in four months, because the body we started with, the first 1144 we witnessed, not witness, uh, happened upon. That's the third in four months. And all of a sudden, there's like a second one in like a week, within a week, because he's been there at least three days is what Jules says. There's a lot of three and fours in this one. I hadn't really picked up on that. But now that you're saying it, like I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you're right. 
there there are so clearly this is like it feels like escalation it feels like like the time frames are getting shorter and shorter because by sean's reasoning this is a serial killer and so like being more spread out means he's being measured and like now we're getting i'm going like full criminal minds right now but (laughs) no no you're 100 percent right it's everything is elevated also Vancouver is considered the Pacific Northwest. Yes, I just I just looked that up. It's above Seattle. It's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just further up there. So, But we're at a garage where this mm. next 1144 happened, and Lassiter spills his coffee because Sean did not give him the coffee that he said he was going to give him, and so Buzz didn't go give him a coffee, and so he had to go get it himself, and he was mad, and he spilled it, and it was funny. Yeah, and it's, like, really awkward. They're all, like trying not to act like they just saw it but everybody just saw it and let's see so there's a woman in the car and they're saying that it looks like she 1144 via carbon monoxide gas um there's a tube leading to like one of her windows there's a note written in eyeliner we'll find out on the windshield so it did you happen to catch anything of that note said no and they don't reference it at all it's just like okay. there is a note so they're like all signs are pointing to eleven forty-four. and sean's playing psychic with lassiter and he's like says something about the three creams four sugars because it's spilled on him and jules is like how did you know that do you really take three sugars and four creams <laughs> carly that's a heart attack waiting to happen <laughs> Sean calls him Carly, and I love Oh, I missed that. Ew, I hate it. (laughs) Carly, that's a... Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, wow. So, Sean wants a closer look at the note unobserved, so he just kind of, like, lets the cat pop itself into the car, and... Because little boy cat can deduce things by spending time near the 1144, Mm. which little boy cat does by paying on the woman's dry cleaning in the back of her car yeah and sean's little bit of argument here is like yeah she decided to do this but stopped to pick up her dry cleaning first like sus but gus is like being nebby in at the back of the car where the forensics guy is about to measure the exhaust and the tailpipe (laughs) he's just like leering and he's like so what's he doing here oh yeah measuring that for that exhaust Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they turn on the car to measure the exhaust metal music just starts blaring like someone had it on and very very loud so that scene kind of just wraps up more or less there and then we get back in the blueberry mm-hmm. and again sean is driving that's true and he alludes to the fact that the cat may or may not have vomited when he was in the back seat. So he's riding shotgun and Gus is in the back. Yep. <laughs> and Gus is, we get the, this is a company car, Sean. And he keeps trying to give Sean the paper to put down so the cat's not on the seats because he has to return it in like new condition. And this is where <laughs> Sean notices like a headline and he hands the paper to Gus because it's our car 1144 victim. And it says... Well, Gus first sees this advertisement that keeps coming back for some reason. It's like 70% off storm doors and windows, blah, 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 blah. 70% off all storm doors and window panes. Oh, gosh. And the real headline is that she was a struggling actress, but she just landed this major role in a play. Why would she 1144? Like... If she just got her big break. Right? Like, everything's turning around. And I don't know if it's, like, the theater company or something else but there's the term dazzle and stretch and sean just kind of is like dazzle and stretch 
And then that scene ends. That's what the name of the show was, I think. Oh, the Yeah. Okay. We're back at SBPD, and my dear sweet Buzz is asking Lassie (laughs) for sex advice. (laughs) He's like, you're technically still married, right? (laughs) It was, are you trying to piss me off or something like that? Yeah, it was exactly that. And he's like, no, see, on your wedding night, and Lassiter's face is killing me this whole time. Buzz is like, on your wedding night, did you feel, um, and he added pressure to, uh, perform? Perform. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm like, oh, Buzz, you perfect specimen of a man. Officer, I don't finish until you finish, is what I nicknamed him. (laughs) Because you know, you know Buzz is just like uh, the best. (laughs) They end up cutting to the chief's office where Sean is in the chief's office with Gus and little boy cat. And he starts to put on a show for the chief and Lassiter notices through the window. And I was just like, oh, we're getting that show. (laughs) He starts by meowing, like he's channeling little boy cat. And then the cat meows. It was great. Then the cat meows and then he meows. And then Sean puts on his show to which Gus finally points out that Sean is channeling little boy cat, who is channeling Gloria, got a name this time, who was the 1144 from the car. But not only was Sean channeling little boy cat and channeling Gloria, but he started making up this song and dance called Dazzle and Stretch. A dazzle and a stretch. Stretch. And it gets weird. Dazzle. (laughs) It's like oddly Southern. (laughs) But (laughs) he starts to point out the newspaper with the dance and Gus helps him point that out because it's like, what is he doing now? And... There's this great, like, timpani roll, and he hands the paper to Lassiter to, like, point out what the important part is. And again, we get the 70% off all storm doors and windows. And then just, like, the best, like, lead up to that joke with that intense timpani roll. And then Sean, still channeling little boy cat, still channeling Gloria, just reaches down and flips the paper over like it's no big deal. (laughs) Then, like, oh, I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. So then they see the um, headline about their 1144 in the car, Gloria. Sean plops onto Lassie's lap, just getting real cozy. And I have so many feelings about it. <laughs> Good, wonderful feelings about it. I just love how close they are in this scene. <laughs> Lassie ends up saying, even though she got her big break, she still could have 1144 herself. And, and his way of explaining that is... All actresses are crazy. I know. I dated one in college. She had a nose ring. (laughs) Sorry, I just pointed to myself because I have a septum ring and I love it. (laughs) That made me think of you. I was like, "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) ah. I am a Lassie fangirl. I can't, I won't apologize. Nope. So we're cutting back to the psych office now. And this is where we get our whiteboard from the back. So it's a clear board and Sean is putting all his evidence on it. And Gus is like, what are you doing? He's like, I saw this on numbers. It works there. (laughs) I see it on numbers all the time. And it seems to work for them. (laughs) And it's got this like great, like pensive math guy music. (laughs) Sean and Gus, mostly Sean, realize that there's no pattern to how these people happen to be dying. Yeah, like varied demographics and like varied modes of 1144 
and it's like usually people pick one but if you're trying to make it look you know natural different people would probably do different things and that's where flipping it upside down to make it right side up comes back into play because they decide to go back to the very first 1144 and try to figure out what happened there because maybe if they start from the beginning they'll be able to figure it out yeah and that's where we get our recurrence of that quote from the beginning from henry where he's like all you gotta do is turn something upside down to make it right side up and then you've got your prize and at the end of that scene right before we cut away we get sean and there's the prize so we're heading out of the office and we're going to check out the first 1144's brother because they were roommates and he's listing the apartment his name is wes Hildenbach. It's Hildenbach on the IMDb, and I only know that because I was looking at that anyway. Very good. I was Hildenbaching. That's it. exactly how it sounds when they say it, so. Yeah. At one point, Gus actually goes, Hildenbach? Like, Hilton's the first name and Bach's the last name, but I digress. And they pretend to be, quote-unquote, partners trying to rent the apartment yeah it sort of happens accident like i was just like mm, is there maybe too much queer baiting in this episode but like i don't know i don't know it sort of happens on accident because they are partners and the guy just takes it that way and then sean runs with it so yeah. i feel like we can just accept that it came from not a crappy place we're gonna go with that good news shower for two gus's face he's like the audacity like, I would ever shower with you, you slob. <laughs> <laughs> they start talking to Hildenbach. Hildenbach finally tells them that he's getting rid of the place because he lost his brother. He doesn't say how he lost his brother. And you can tell that Hildenbach's kind of torn up about the fact that his brother isn't with him anymore. Sean ever so slightly starts asking for details and then quickly goes, Oh, no, no, it's that's not appropriate. I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask that. And that's when Hildenbach kind of breaks down and he said yeah he had a lot of problems he had a lot of struggles but he was doing better than me and you know things were looking up for him and I didn't see anything coming and that's when they kind of take the moment to recognize that people sometimes die by suicide for reasons that we can't explain so I'm, I'm very proud of them for taking that step yeah but Sean ends up grabbing yeah when he was checking out the bathroom he took the opportunity shower for two <laughs> <laughs> he took the opportunity to snag a piece of mail and in the car he opens it up which is a felony but the person's dead so i don't know where that line falls but it's a phone bill and he can see that like he was calling a 1-800 stress line a lot and sean's gut instinct is that this is going to be the link this is going to be the pattern like if we check the other phone lines of the other victims we're going to find this cropping up. So somehow it's connected to this. Gus said, that's what stressed guys do. They call a stress line. I bet a hungry guy calls a pizza place. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I was super stressed and I got myself a therapist. We are not sponsored by BetterHelp, but I highly recommend it. There's also Talkspace and they have affordable options for people who would have trouble affording therapy it's a very good option because it's very hard to get in with someone in person these days as i found so just wanted to say that i think that all counseling and therapy is a very good option mm -hmm. but it's worth putting out there that if you have tried a counselor and a therapist and it didn't click it doesn't mean that therapy's not for you it just means that maybe that therapist wasn't for you mm -hmm. so feel free to try them out check them out 
take care of yourself. Take care of your brain. Absolutely. 741741. <laughs> Better help. Okay, so then we get back to SBPD, and Sean is giving Jules the full psychic treatment. I sense it. It's something to do with this stress line, the other. And Jules says, why would I do this? And Sean goes, someone say it's the hair. (laughs) So that comes into play again. Lassiter comes up behind him, and he's like, really? When they finally walk away, Lassie looks over to Juliet and said... We should probably follow up on that phone line. Yeah, because Jules is like, that was a little too easy to kind of shut down their idea and make them go away. This is suspect. But now we go to the building where the stress line is, and Gus and Sean are standing in front of a door that, what does the door say? What is the sign? Dial a psychic. And Gus is like, did you rent office space? Are you kidding me? He's like, Gus, don't be a crazy hooligan. I rented a sign. (laughs) Opens the door, and this is where... Pineapple hunt. Okay, so it wasn't really a hunt, because the pineapple was literally (laughs) sitting there with a bow on it. A big red bow. (laughs) So he grabs it, and he's like, let's go say hi to the neighbors. And they walk in, and they're like, this is for you guys, for your new neighbors. We set up a 1-800 thingy. (laughs) and they end up meeting terrence who owns 1-800 stress line runs it yeah runs the non-profit or whatever i need you to think about this for me i need you to go into future psych think about the cult episode do you know you know what i'm talking about i this is one of my fun facts this guy is in three other episodes of psych (laughs) and the first psych movie I recognized him from the cult episode. I was like, he's with the bloomer lady. I know he's in that episode. There are so many character actors. Like this episode is chock full, but this show is chock full of great, great character actors that you have seen in everything because we're going to meet another one here soon. Both Terrence and the guy that we meet soon and Lassiter were all in Supernatural eventually. I mean, the other guys had very small parts but like yeah that was another fun fact like that's fascinating Mm -hmm. these guys that we meet in this episode they're the type of character actors who have been in like episodes of everything and i have another fun fact later on so when sean walks in he kind of expects everybody at 1-800 line to recognize him because he's a big psychic celebrity now and he starts rattling off his cases he's like i'm head psychic for santa barbara police department you may have heard me about me with the uh mccallum murders no 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 one had any idea who he was or that he was psychic he ends up having to prove that he is a psychic much like he did in the last episode however terrence is like that's a great time to do that half of our phone lines are down because the phone lines are being worked on and every once in a while we get a shot out the window and you can see a guy up on a pole foreshadowing (laughs) so this guy sitting there, Rory, his name tag says, and he's another character actor that we see a lot. Also, so is Wes Hildenbach. He's another one of the guys that we're talking about here. All, yeah, they've all been like in everything. So Rory is sort of this goth punk looking boy with eyeliner. And I just wrote, <laughs> he's got triangular blonde clown eyebrows. And it's very distracting. He's like, yeah, tell me something about myself, psychic. And between the eyeliner and the rhyming dictionary that is sitting on his desk, 
Sean goes, you're a poet. And he freaks out. And everyone starts applauding like it's such a big deal. Gus leans back and said, have you seen that guy's eyeliner? And Sean goes, guy could be the drummer for The Cure. That's it. I rented a sign is what I was reading. And I was like, that's not what he said. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Another pop culture reference for you there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love, especially The Cure was big in the 80s. So, like, we love the 80s references, especially. Everyone's happy. Everything's good. Next scene, Lassiter is sitting on the beach and Juliet walks up to him. Yeah, it's file time. She's got a file full of people who work at the stress line because they're looking into it now because it is a pattern. We don't see it, but Lassiter says, ah, an old friend. And it's like a rap sheet for someone who works at Wayne stress line. Rory, right? Yeah, it ends up being Rory, but like, I don't think we see that in that scene. Are you sure? I mean, I, did, I didn't see I it. I feel like I think we see his picture. I don't remember seeing that. I don't know. Picture. I've heard it both ways. So we end up with Gus at Dial a Psychic. In the closet. <laughs> in, in the custodial closet. Okay. This is another queer baiting moment. I was like, he's literally in the closet. They hang out in the closet together. What is happening? (laughs) But they have a little cat sign that says, hang in there. Which Sean is putting up when he notices the telephone service schedule on the wall. I'm not exactly. Oh, Gus said that his legs were tired from sitting on the bucket or something like that. And Sean said... Do some push-ups. You can be like Clint Eastwood in Escape from Alcatraz. He was in the best shape of his life. In that teeny tiny room. (laughs) I don't know Escape from Alcatraz because I am not a normal movie watcher person. Normal? That's a dad movie. That's a Lassiter movie. We don't need to watch that movie. I'm told that in his prison cell, Clint Eastwood does a lot of push-ups. Okay. I'm impressed. That's the reference. <laughs> That's why he was telling Gus to do push-ups. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it would have made sense to someone who has watched that movie. Probably Drew. Drew probably would have laughed at that. So. Bum, 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 husband. <laughs> so Sean's big idea is for Gus to call as bait for the goth bro on the helpline because, I don't know, Sean's already suspicious of him. And he just wants to go over there and, like, hang out and be nebby and watch while Gus makes this call from their office. Gus told Sean that Sean needs to be the one to make the phone call. And Sean said, no one's going to believe that I'm depressed. Come on. And I wrote, boo, masking. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, I noticed that, too. I was like, for one, that's probably how he actually sees it, how that character would see it. But it's just like... Yeah, people do mask. Like, I mean, and there can be other extenuating circumstances. Look at Robin Williams. He was actually suffering from, like, a rare form of, like, lesions on his brain. But he was masking a lot of his depression issues with his zany, high-energy humor. And it's distraction. It's people asking about you and not talking about themselves and not drawing attention and not telling you about their problems. So get woke, Sean. Get woke. Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy to share my mental health story with anyone who wants to hear it, but I masked for a really, really long time. People who knew me really, really well wouldn't have guessed that I was depressed, but I was. Oh yeah. 1000%. That's who we are. Yeah. Uh, But I'm, I was really, really good at hiding it. And that's, that's yeah. Get woke. I agree. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we should just start saying wake up because (laughs) it's like about dang time. But Gus, Gus said, I don't even know what I would say. And Sean goes, hello, my name is Gus. I have a deep-seated jealousy for a tiny little boy cat. <laughs> I knew you were going to quote that exactly. I just could feel it coming. 
well, I took your advice this time. And I watched the episode to enjoy it. And then I watched the episode for notes. And it was a huge help. Right? I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. It's a really nice vibe. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just enjoying this. And then when I'm watching it the second time, I notice so many little things. Yeah. So when John walks into the 100 stress line, he brings Terrence, who he calls Big T, a coconut with a straw in it and a bow on it. Why? I don't know. It's tropical and fun. Uh, yeah, Terrence, Big T. He hates Sean. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Rory actually gets to talking with Sean and divulges some stuff to him. And he says he's working at 1-800-STRESS-LINE as community service. He got 250 hours for this whole assault thing because he really got into it with this guy who hated his poetry. And like, <laughs> it's like, it's such a big part of his identity that he's like too precious about it, which if you're going to be an artist, dude, you just got to get a thicker skin. <laughs> Not everyone's going to like your poetry. This is coming from someone who did poetry as their senior thesis. Come at me. <laughs> Gus calls and specifically asks for Rory so that Sean can observe. And while Gus is on the line, Rory is actually talking him into more depression or more stress. Yeah, into like darker corners because I wrote Gus on line six. He's like, all right, so you're experiencing some career and personal stress? And then he said... Oh, do you have a girlfriend? Oh, (laughs) ultimately they decide that pharmaceutical sales is not sexy (laughs) and that he only has one non-work friend. Yeah, but Rory keeps pushing areas like, does that ever give you dark thoughts? And Gus is like, well, how 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 dark do you mean? And he, like, it just keeps escalating. And and I think right after that, Rory said, suicide is not the answer. And Gus goes, suicide? I wasn't talking about suicide. I just said I needed a new hobby, like coin collecting or something at the beach. I like water activities. And Rory goes, like drowning. <laughs> Your face was so good. That eyebrow was on point. (laughs) I was like, because after, like, the breakdown with Sean in the closet afterwards, because Sean is like, what the heck was all that about? And and Gus says, yeah, I'm majorly creeped out, dude. But that's when we get the pharmaceutical sales not sexy. And I was like, look, big pharma, definitely not sexy. But making medicine affordable and available, Gus, you sexy, sexy boy. (laughs) pharmaceuticals <laughs> i'm just gonna keep saying that in different tunes and sean is looking at his watch and then he sees the police arrive so he's been waiting on them he's known they would like catch up eventually lassie walks up to rory grabs his eyeliner and goes what's this did you know that our most recent victims suicide note was written in black eyeliner i'm like how circumstantial is that lassie like I've got black eyeliner. You going to arrest me? Yeah, but also Lassie reveals that he was the arresting officer for Rory's assault charge. So it's personal because Lassie is a crazy person. He notices that Rory has his headphones in and he thinks that Rory is listening to metal music like we saw in the car 1144. What in the heck? is this player that Laster starts waving around. Is that like a vintage iHome or something? That's exactly what it is. It's a dock. Okay, but I have to point this out. So he's got a dock and he has his headphones plugged into the dock. And when Gussie, Gussie, Gus Lassie 
when Lassie unplugs them, Up, Up, and Away starts playing. But there's no iPod in the dock. So there shouldn't be any music coming out of it at all because there's nothing there. I could not get a good enough look at this thing because he's like waving it around. And I was like, is that what that's supposed to be? Why would he be listening to that with headphones? I only know that because we have one. Because we old. and I used to, but mine looked slightly different. Where you plug the phone in or the iPod. Where you dock the iPod. Whatever. iPod, thank you. Where you dock that, we have a Bluetooth adapter. So we can hook ours up to Bluetooth now. But we still have a dock like that. And that's why I knew what that was. And I was like, that's where something should be. And there was nothing there. I was like, oh my goodness gracious. (laughs) So. Also, I really like that song. What is that from? I was a 70s song, Up, Up, and Away. Oh, it sounded like, okay, that tracks. Because I was like, Godspell? I don't know. (laughs) Lassie called it This Noise. And then Rory called it That Crap. And I was like, um, neither of those are accurate definitions of that song. That song is delightful. Rory says that crap is all he listens to. And that is what inspires his poetry. And I was like, bruh, (laughs) the 70s are a lot of things. They're not super poetic. (laughs) They arrest Rory. And Sean is, yeah, Sean is nonplussed. Like, he's like, this is not clicking into place. But... He casts his eye out the window and he sees someone up on the phone pole and things start clicking into place for Sean. He's like, phone service schedule, maybe that lines up with dates. This is someone who would have access to calls. So in the next scene, we see them in the dark at the phone pole. The cat's just chilling in the grass, just like watching their shenanigans. And he's forcing Gus to climb the pole, which sounds... Because you're a climbing machine, Gus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, but as he's climbing, Sean notices the oil mark on Gus's shoe looks just like what he saw in the 1144 apartment. He notices the rungs, I guess, that Gus is climbing on looks like the key holder in Hildenbach's apartment. Uh So he's like, wait a second, this guy? Is this guy the one who works for the phone company? His brother was the first one to die. Is that what set all of this off? Was he the first victim? Like, how far does this go? They get a hold of, like, the little, what is it, like, the utility phone? Yeah, which they wouldn't just, like, leave attached to the phone pole. Right, but lucky oversight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll call it a lucky oversight instead of a plot hole. <laughs> they end up listening to the phone because Sean thinks that The last person who called the 1-800 stress line is likely going to be the next victim. And... Dun, dun, dun! It's Buzz. It's little sweet Buzzy McNabb, and we hear his outgoing message. Sean immediately uses the utility phone to call the chief. Then I wrote, showdown. Because the Santa Barbara Police Department and Sean converge on Buzz McNabb's apartment building, and we get the steely blue gaze Arms locked, aimed, loaded, ready, Carlton Lasseter. He looks so good in the scene. <laughs> they ask Buzz what he was doing calling the stress line or why he was calling the stress line or something. And he said, I was just looking for a little advice. No one else would talk to me. And they all and he <laughs> death stares Lassie and then everybody death stares Lassie. But I'm not going to lie if... 
one of my subordinates came up to me and wanted to talk to me about sex on their wedding night, I probably wouldn't talk to them either. I don't have subordinates, but... (laughs) I don't either, but still. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's not a paternal figure, so he wasn't there for both. (laughs) They're trying to talk Hildenbach out of shooting Buzz, and... Sean starts by pointing out that Gus has his own issues. And so Hildenbach turns and puts the gun on Gus. And Gus slowly steps behind Sean. (laughs) And then Sean said, I'm crazy too. And then Gus slowly steps out from behind Sean. And that, I mean, it was those little things like that in that scene that made me really happy. At one point he like walks out of frame and then I was like, is he going to come up behind that guy? Where did Gus go? <laughs> he just like <laughs> walked out of the scene. <laughs> they end up making another hair joke with Lassiter and Sean said, you have only one thing to be worried about and that's this man right here. Not only is he a fine human being with a strong Irish hairline. I love a man with a strong brow line. And the way he's just, like, glaring through the sight, uh, well, like, down the shaft of that pistol, I, like, I can't say, I'm thirsty today or something. Like, I can't say (laughs) words without being like, that sounds suggestive, but I think it's just me. (laughs) Hildenbach's gun is on Sean. All of SBPD's guns are on Hildenbach. And Buzz is standing there in his underwear with his hands up. Now, I am not trying to say that in Buzz's position, I would have felt any differently, but I went through run-hide-fight training, which is a lot less than what police officers go Judo, through. chop! Yeah. Like, right to I the mean, neck. <laughs> Hildenbach was not paying attention whatsoever to Buzz. Buzz easily could have grabbed that gun. When I worked in the residence halls, now, my boss was like CIA black ops before he moved into res life. And so he trained us oh to gosh. do crap like that. But like we went through that training as RAs. We went through run, hide, fight training where they were like, if an active shooter happens, you have to fight back. You need to look at what weapons you have with you. And I'm like, come on, Buzz. But I guess it's easier to say when I'm not in that situation. Also, Buzz is a fictional character, so... It's pretty dark, but I'm always like, yes, I need more training. Yes, I would carry a weapon with me. I don't want a gun. I'm not like, I don't feel that way about it. But like for the world we live in, for the reality of it, I'm just like, I would carry an extendable baton. I have a stun gun. Like that's the reality of I have a lot of goals on my desk. And there was a very short period of time right after I went through. It's called Alice training. That was what I went through as a full time. But after I went through Alice training, there was a like a two-month period of time where I kept a cast iron skillet behind my desk with me. Because, like, oh. both defense and offense, right? Think about Tangle. Right. That was her favorite yeah. weapon. And then all of the other people started using that. I mean, I would say, like, people hate the trope where, you know, a woman grabs something to use as a weapon and it's, like, something domestic, like a broom or a pan. And I'm like... Look, something you're used to holding, used to wielding, know the weight of, that's going to be your most effective weapon in real life or during the zombie apocalypse. I'm just like, use what you know. And if you happen to be a person who sticks around a kitchen like you or I, not because we're women, but because we love delicious flavor. Because we are fans of delicious flavor. Absolutely. But it's like, yeah, I would feel most comfortable probably wielding 
one of my pans or winging Mm -hmm. one of my kitchen knives more than anything that would like probably do more damage just because I know what I'm doing. Well, don't worry, Buzz, because little boy cat run, hide, fight. And little boy cat hops on Hildenbach's back and takes him down to the ground. He knows what he did. Because he was there when Hildenbach did not 1144, but murdered his owner. Literally held a gun to the man's head and forced him to overuse medication. And it's terrible. And I'm glad the cat got his little bit of retribution. I wrote Buzz is saved. Also his real name, quote unquote real name, but name as of IMDb is Sage Brocklebank. And I wrote he's a Ryan Murphy type. (laughs) Finally, after they end up cuffing Hildenbach, Lassie said, that was adequate, Spencer. Oh, hot dang. High frickin' praise. So, do you think that the only reason why Lassiter ended up saying that was because Sean's way of slowing down Hildenbach was by complimenting Lassiter? I don't know. I think he just, like, respected that he kept the situation de-escalated long enough for something to work to their advantage. Like a little boy cat. Like a little boy cat. Buzz is about to get married. And Gus, no, my gosh, Sean is trying to figure out what to give Buzz for his wedding gift. And he goes, and the chief already got you an asparagus steamer. So I will give you the little boy cat. Now, I actually wrote, who steams asparagus? WTF. (laughs) There are 152 better ways to cook asparagus than steaming it. Yes, but I mean, like, if you don't steam it too much and make it mushy, and it's just, like, that brighter green and still crisp, I can see it. That's not what I do either, but I mean, yeah. Good. (laughs) Good. We we, I wasn't sure if we could keep being friends slash doing this podcast. Girlfriend, do you know how many vegetables I have to eat? (laughs) I do them the right way. (laughs) They give little boy cat to Buzz. Hmm. And we end up with Sean and Gus at PO, at psych office eating soup. (laughs) Deciphering your own shorthand here. (laughs) Yes. Gus is trying to cheer himself up. And as he's trying to cheer himself up, he's like, yeah, you might be my only friend outside of work, but you're my best friend. And how many best friends does a guy need? And Sean goes, yeah, it's all about the attitude, Gus. You got this. I love it. Gus tells a great story about him getting complimented about how he looks so handsome carrying his pharmaceutical case. I love it. Then Gus pours his last bowl of cereal and the magic mood ring does not fall out of the box. And then he looks at the bottom of the box and it appears open. I timed this out. I had a bowl. You had a bowl. I had a bowl. You had a bowl. And then I get the ring. Oh, snap. Sean is like, it, what, what happened to that attitude, Gus? What happened to that, that, that pride, that happiness? And Gus just sticks his finger in Sean's bowl of cereal and walks away. But then Sean picks up Gus's bowl of cereal and starts eating it with Gus's spoon. I'm now, eating yours. Kaylee, don't get me wrong. I get that people eat after one another. But why was he so freaked out about the dude sticking his finger in his bowl of cereal. But then not only did he go on to eat after him, but he ended up using Gus's spoon. He didn't even keep his own spoon. 
Does that make any sense to you? It was a spite eating of the delicious cereal. But he could have used his own spoon. Eh. Right? I mean, I guess. But is it important at that point? Because it's been submerged in the same milk you're about to eat the cereal out of. So, like, eh. Well, yeah, okay. But what's the <laughs> difference between that and a finger? I mean, I don't know. I got really confused by that for some reason. And we end up with our beautiful end credits. Okay, so I have one more fun fact for you. This episode takes place, I think they filmed it sometime around 2006. And in 2008, the guy who plays Wes Hildenbach was in an episode of Criminal Minds. He played roughly the same character. His brother had died, but I think in this one, he had killed him instead of his brother having 1144 and that setting him off. In that one, I think his brother was his first victim, and then his M.O. was to make his murders look like 1144s, and something called like an angel of mercy killer, where he felt like these people were in so much pain that he was ending their suffering. Okay. And I do want to say that he does talk about his brother as being weak, and it, it appears that like he had an emotional psychotic break when his brother 1144 but he does refer to the people he's murdering as being weak mm -hmm. and basically deserving to be murdered and i'd like to point out that he's the villain here okay he's the yeah. bad guy so don't listen to him don't listen to him he's he full of crap he's full of crap and i think that's what we all need to take away from that that one i mean it's heavy to talk about it's heavier than i think i wanted it to be to talk about we you and i went pretty deep on our just because we have to talk about 1144 it doesn't mean we can't support people who might be struggling with 1144 right because that's not a joke like i mean i get people were being murdered and it was being camouflaged and you know it's the police were taking it seriously as tragic 1144s and you know jules made a good point of that and she's like as sad as it is it does happen we do have to deal with that reality but in this case it simply wasn't true and sean got to the truth and don't listen to the murderers because they're dumb. <laughs> this has been... Actually, do we have anything else? I don't. You? I don't either. Cool, cool, cool. This has been... To, to the Blue Bay! Bay! I'm Alexis. What in the name of sweet justice are you two doing in this crime scene? <laughs> and I'm Kaylee. Dude, he put you on the creepy train, headed for Creepy Island, where the creepy natives drink creepy nectar out of the creepy coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> and this... <laughs> And this has been To, to the, the Blueberry! Blue Psych out! <laughs>